Hey guys, uh, I have a, a, a friend of the house, uh, Terry, who's going to come right now. The Lord kind of put some things on his heart, uh, that a word of the Lord that he uh, felt he couldn't shake it, and y'all needed to hear it. Terry, would you come? First Corinthians 14.3 is an instruction to the church as to what prophecy is for. But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men. Edification, exhortation, and comfort. Now, understanding what I'm going to share with you is to build the house of faith. It's an exhortation on an individual basis for the needs. And it is for comfort to let you know God is with you every step of the way. But I must ask do you want to hear a word from the Lord? Thus saith the Lord, I have made a house of refuge. Many come to it seeking solace. Many come to it seeking comfort. But now I must call you from your inactivity. I will now turn this house into a threshing floor. I will cause your hulls to break asunder till only the grain is left. Then I will grind that grain till it is the finest flour to make unto me a sacrifice of bread for my show table. I will feed the hungry who come to my altars. I see some among you who are as beaten gold, and yet there is an admixture that displeases me. A sin you declare to yourself that no one knows about. It hurts no one. It is hurtful to you as it keeps you from my standard. My standard, be thou holy as I am holy. It is a prison that withholds from you the fullness of my relationship. I am as a refiner to turn you into purest gold. I am kindling a fire, a fierce fire, and it will test you. When you have come through, when you have come through, you will be as finest gold, fit for my service, fit for my kingdom. I will raise up here a treasure house unto myself and fill it with all manner of precious stones, pearls of great price and purest gold. Then I will draw men unto me, those who are hungry and thirst after me, those who are empty from this world's promises and want the riches of heaven. I will fill this house with the brokenhearted, the broken in spirit, the lost, I will mend them, feed them, care for them. I will make this a house of healing and wholeness. I will set them free to pour themselves out upon my altar. Demons will be driven out, limbs healed, cancers banished. The blind will see, the deaf will hear, the lame will dance. The dead will live again. All this I will do. But I must begin within you, my people. Come to my altar today and taste and see that I am good. Wait upon no man. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Thus saith the Lord. Thanks for obeying, Terry. Love you, man of God. The Bible says that uh, we should test all prophecy. 
Uh, and so I think that that's pretty wonderful. I would also encourage you to kind of maybe, if you're unfamiliar with prophecy, I love the way he said that it's, the scripture says that it's designed for edification, to build up the church. Um, I would also say um, it's, it's important for you to know that prophecy is always conditional uh, throughout scripture. And he ended with saying it's going to start with, with the church here. Um, and so I've seen prophecy, great prophecy spoken over churches. Some of them didn't come to pass and some of them did. And, uh, and I think it, it always comes back to whether we'll obey Christ or not. And it sounds like he wants to do uh, a work in us. And uh, I was pretty excited about some of the things that happened over the last couple of weeks. We started a series, this is week three, of a series called Divine Direction. Uh, two weeks ago, we talked about Malachi chapter 6, verse 8. And we said that uh, this is the will of God, that you love justice and mercy and you walk humbly with God. And uh, we talked about some of the things that's it's kind of polarizing the church right now and, and maybe distracting and even kind of altering some of the things. And it's important that we learn to love justice and mercy and walk humbly with God. Last week was pretty rad, man. It was one of my favorites. Lacey talked about it this morning here. Uh, it's always my favorite when people are in the altar. I think that's when our church is alive is when uh, Jesus said, if you, anyone really wants to live, let them first come and die. And, uh, and I have found my life really beginning in a place just like this, when I'm at the end of my rope and I just need God to move. And uh, I don't know what the Lord did in any of you that were able to run to the altar last week, man, but I loved it. And uh, it was beautiful to see some tears anointing our altar. And I love you guys for it. This week is um, kind of a more simple. We have a lot of things going on this week with water baptism and baby dedication in the next service. And, and also uh, next week we're firing up. Man, if you're there's a service you don't want to miss. It's next week with our youth service. I can't tell you how many prophecies have come to our church and just about every church in the country, for that matter. My wife likes to remind me that revival is always supposed to start with the youth, uh, maybe because um, they're willing to lay it all down. They're willing to risk it, you know, and uh, I just I put such a demand on what God wants to do in their lives, and so Next week, we, some of them will be sharing their testimony and preaching and rapping and doing some other cool stuff. Yes, I said rapping in the house of God. Come on, somebody. And uh, I think it's important, man, that we just let the kids love Christ. And uh, there's so many giftings that are dormant in the older generation. And I just pray that next week they call it out of you. We'll see what that looks like. Anyways, this week, kind of a simple verse Anyone struggle memorizing scripture? Yeah, I have a hard time with that. This week, we're going to memorize some scripture together, and I promise you can do this. You know, it's like the easiest, shortest verse in the Bible is Jesus wept. Hard for you to get, right? Some of you already got that one. Proud of you for that one. Uh, this is going to be maybe even just as easy. Would you all stand to your feet for the reading of God's word? We're talking about what is the will of God as we talk about God's direction over your life. And the scripture would lay it real simple in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 and 18. God's will for you. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. And be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Let me just read that to you again. Always be thankful, never stop praying. 
Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. It's pretty hard to argue about that. But man, this will change your life if you can get it in you. Let's pray. Jesus, help. Amen. Y'all can have a seat. I love you guys. My first point today is going to be real simple. You guys can probably guess it. Number one, always be joyful. Always be joyful. Always be joyful. This is one of those messages where you look at your neighbor and you say, neighbor, always be joyful. It's a little preacher in me right there. Hey, hey, uh, uh, Nehemiah said it this way, that the joy of the Lord was supposed to be our what? A strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Always be joyful. Not sometimes, not most of the time, not even like, like mostly throughout the week, but always be joyful. This is God's will for you. Well, Fred Rogers said that um, joy is a choice and that all of your emotions are a choice. You know, no one can make you angry. No one can make you sad. No one can make you happy. Although culture today says that, uh, you know, we, we're, 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 we want to uh, marry because uh, we want to be happy and we divorce because we want to be happy. You're going to keep running and running and running if you think that something or somebody out there is going to change some kind of emotion in you. The joy of the Lord is our strength. It's our weapon. It's our battle. It's what we use to overcome the enemy. I think of it as an athlete. Can you imagine if an athlete was to lose its strength? Can you imagine if a Christian were to lose their joy? Oh, man, it's a gross, gross, gross thing that happens. And boy, does it happen. And so I just prophesy over you, joy, joy, joy unspeakable. So I wanted to figure out what is joy. Well, happiness is a feeling based on your circumstances. Do you know that? Happiness is a feeling based on your circumstances, but joy is a feeling that defies your circumstances. Means it, I feel this way regardless of what is coming my way or what the day is. Joy doesn't wait to see what the outcome of the day is going to look like. That's happiness. You know, I'm still kind of on the fence as to what this phone call is going to look like or how this contract is going to lay out to decide whether or not I'm going to dance. That's happiness. Happiness is always circumstantial. I uh, found this on the World Wide Web this weekend. Happiness is always external, while joy is internal. Happiness depends on, uh, it's dependent on circumstances. Joy is independent of circumstances. Happiness is, is an emotional response. Joy is an act of your will. I love that. I choose joy, right? Joy FM, come on, somebody. 
having, uh, uh, happiness is having what you want. Joy is wanting what you have. I love that. Having what you want and wanting what you have. Oh, that got me. Happiness is an external euphoria. Yeah, I can't say that word. I'm sorry. Uh, Joy is an internal contentment. Happiness is an effect. Joy is a cause. Happiness is a result. Joy is a foundation. Happiness is inconsistent. Joy is consistent. And I love this. Happiness is temporary, but joy is eternal. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, right? Joy is a fruit of the Spirit, and it's got to be there. Joy is contagious. People like to be around people who are joyful. That's why we love joy in the back, right? (laughs) Jean Marshall. And she is contagious. And you can see people who have joy And they're pleasant because they decide when they wake up in the morning what their what emotions they've chosen, and they're not gonna sell out when things don't go their way. This is what the Lord is saying is the will for your life. Be joyful always. And man, this is difficult, guys. But we're not going to let our emotions dictate the direction of our life or how we treat people or how life, what life looks like. And we learn this from the Apostle Paul while he was stoned for preaching the gospel. Can you imagine if one day you believe in Jesus and it causes you to have to suffer for Christ? This is difficult when life doesn't look like what we think it should. Have you ever been in a situation where your expectation looked one way and the outcome was another? We thought we were going to win the big game and we lost. And if we lose joy, what does it look like to people who are looking at you who is a cornerstone? We are the light of the world. We're not altered by our feelings. Joy dictates the direction of our day. I will sing. I will praise. I love to sing, uh, especially when I don't have joy. When things are bad, I like to sing. I feel like it's hard to be grumpy and sing at the same time. Some people get grumpy around me when I sing. Uh, That's because you know me. Uh, And I got to be honest, if I am forced to be with someone for long periods of time and they are grumpy, I sing a little bit louder (laughs) because I choose to not wear those emotions because emotions can transfer. It's like the flu. It gets contagious. And I think that's why it's good to just smile every once in a while. Friends like sing a song. Life is good. So. My question is, if the joy of the Lord is our strength, what steals or distracts you of your joy? What has robbed you of joy this week? Is, was there a way for us to rewind, because it's easier to talk about this from hindsight, rather than, oh, this week I plan on, yeah, of course, Pastor, I'm going to be joyful. I'm always joyful. 
stubbed my toe on that one a couple times. I don't know about you. But what stole your joy? Because you can choose, like Fred Rogers says, you can choose the emotions that you pick. You can pick any emotion you want. Some, there was a philosopher, uh, some, a, a, a psychologist that said, I can punch you in the face, but I can't make you angry. You can choose sadness. You can choose fear. You can choose frustration or anger. You can choose love. But we choose the emotions that we put on. Always be joyful. Scripture would say it this way. Uh, no, I found some things that uh, commonly, as I was researching this week, things, uh, strongholds that attack the spirit of joy on your life. Because the joy of the Lord is the spirit of God inside of you. So these are strongholds that would constantly try to rip you back. As we're looking through what happened wrong this week, one would be unresolved conflict. Two, comparison or envy. Three, complaining. Four is pride, just thinking about you. And five is anxiety. And I think that these, sometimes we celebrate these emotions as if now they're popular and just part of the world that we live in, like anxiety. We choose it now. This is just who I am. No, 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 no. It's hard to have anxiety and have joy at the same moment. What do you choose and the more you choose to pick up that feeling that doesn't look like joy, the more difficult it becomes to shake that stronghold in your life. It'll pull you back. It'll pull you back. It'll pull you back. This isn't like a suggestion. The Lord really wants to be lifted up through your life. And when people are looking at you, we don't want to see the devil or what he's done in your life. We want to see the joy of the Lord in you. So this is what Psalm said, and I, it's what brings me the greatest joy. Purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again, for you have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt and create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me, but restore to me the joy of my salvation, and make me willing to obey you again. What I love about this passage is for me, joy really comes from having relationship with God. For me, joy comes with the understanding that somebody greater than me walks with me. And he's looking out for my best interest. He actually wants, he has a better plan than me. He's stronger than me. He's wiser than me. He's more faithful than me. And he's not going to give up on me. And knowing that his washing and cleansing is happening in my life, there is nothing that gives me more joy than knowing that he's with me and he's making a better version of me. Do you have joy for your salvation? Remember that Christian saying that we used to always say, I got, when did, how long have you been saved? How long have you been saved? 
was the last time you had the joy of your salvation in you? Well, I'm going to move on here. The second thing that the scripture commands us to do, he says, is never stop praying. Never stop praying. Oh, I love this, man. I love it. I love it. I love it. Check this out. I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my prayer for his mercy. Because he bends down to listen, I will pray as long as I have breath. I love that. Jeremiah 33 verse 3 said, Ask me, and I will tell you remarkable secrets you do not know about the things to come. Hold on, can you just hear that again? Ask me, and I will tell you remarkable secrets that you do not know about things to come. Never stop praying. I wonder, does like Christianity end on Sunday morning at 1030, 11 when you leave, you know? Like how do you keep what we just done, right? Matt Bullock hits that song, and I exalt. Oh, anyone else get hammered when that like, it was like the glory of God just fell, you know, I don't know. And uh, I had goosebumps on steroids over here and it was like, man, it, it, Never quit that moment. It was Brother Lawrence, one of the my probably my top two favorite books outside of the Scripture, is a book called Practicing His Presence by Brother Lawrence. And he had this this goal. He was a monk. He was a he was he worked in a monastery in the 1700s, and he he had this goal that he would maintain a a conversation with God that never end. And he would journal it every day, his frustration with how many moments throughout the day he forgot to interact with God. And it is bothersome, like to the core, as he's frustrated with how many times he forgot to think about Jesus today. And he would say, hey, today I went about 12 minutes and I didn't think about God one time. And it rips my heart out because I'm like, man, I was mowing the grass and I was thinking about like chicken and pork and not lasagna. And like I I went all through the gamut of all the meals that I could eat today and, and the Lord didn't come up one time. But he says, never stop praying. Don't stop interacting with God. What does it look like for you to interact with God? And I know that we're all in a different relationship with God, but I want you to know wherever you're at today, you're in a relationship with God. Because he's fully committed to you. And learning how to unlock your language and talk to him and share with him and be frustrated and be mad and be scared and whatever it is that you're dealing with, share that with him and be changed by him. Learn to talk to God. If you're impatient, it's a great place to talk to God. And be careful the way you say, oh God, in that moment, you know, because, uh, you know, praise him. Uh, But I just, um, I think about like, Never stop talking with him. And so I have different things that I do. I mean, there's, I, I, I think it's good to ask God questions. It's wonderful as you begin to talk to God more, as you learn to develop your ear for how God feels about circumstances and situations in your life. And you've got to know the more you walk with God and the more you never stop praying, that doorway stays open to your soul and it becomes easier to hear with him. So tomorrow, if you're at work and you're an accountant, I promise you can do accounting and talk to the Lord. 
There are great moments throughout work in the secular industry where the Holy Spirit's going to check your integrity. He's going to check your heart for looking at a coworker like with anger or frustration or with, like I don't know what feelings come up when you're at work, but he'll check them if you keep the door open to him. And life just gets easier when you're walking with God. You walk in wisdom. You, it's like there's wind in your sail all day long. Never stop praying. We're memorizing scripture today, man. It's powerful. Dude, you, got, you just learned two verses. What was the first one? Does anyone remember it? Always be joyful. Always be joyful. Man, you guys are like the most spiritual people in the world. Name the, the second one was what? Never stop praying. I love it. I love it. I love it. I got two more verses here for you. One is pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Uh, th- this is in Ephesians chapter 6. And he says, pray in the spirit at all times. I got to tell you, I don't, I don't know where everyone's at in their life. The Lord has given me with a gift of tongues. I think it's a gift that all of you can have if you want it. But some of us have been given the opportunity to pray uh, and we don't use it. And so I think it's one of the greatest tragedies that we'll be most embarrassed about in the day of Christ, that he gave us access to the throne room of God and, and, and we chose the recliner. Like, like access, to, and we chose so many other, like today I'm telling you, like use it. And so this, the scripture says, pray in the spirit and the Lord give me the, the gift of speaking tongues. And someone challenged me one time, he says, I dare you to, to, to pray in tongues an hour a day. Man, if you want to get on fire for God. Now it's hard to find an hour a day to just pray. So what I learned to do is pray five minutes at a time everywhere and i'll just be at walmart and i'll just start praying and i'll just pray in the spirit as i'm walking in walmart walking with god talking with god and oftentimes i'll I'll, i've learned to ask god certain questions just to keep the door open not about me not about lasagna not about like my puppy chewy who's wonderful but sometimes i do but i'll ask the lord questions like hey god how do you feel about that 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 guy right there and that shirt family you know like how do you what do you think about it Travis, and uh, you know what, what do you how, what do you feel uh, about Shannon? God, I, t- t- tell me. And, and when I'm at Walmart, it's just a stranger, and all of a sudden I can just feel their brokenness, or their hurt, or their fear. It's not a word of the Lord; it's just a knowing. And it's wonderful to have a transfer of God's heart into your heart. Always be praying. Last verse about prayer. I'm over time. He, uh, I've got a whole other point yet to do. He says this. One day, Jesus told his disciples a story that they should always pray and never give up. One day, Jesus told a story to show his disciples that they would always pray and never give up. And I thought about giving you the whole story then I wouldn't give you anything to go home with, you know, a little cliff ending, you know, you got to figure that one out. Luke chapter 18. It's good stuff. Uh, And then the last verse here is be thankful in all circumstances. Be thankful in all circumstances. This is a good one. I like to be thankful. I like, uh, this week we were up in Michigan. I probably said it 85 times. 
I'm so thankful to be here. The weather was perfect. There was no humidity. You know, it was like great. We were on a water. It was like wonderful. It was just, I, God, I'm so thankful, Lord. Like it's easy when life is good, you know. And I think about Paul and Silas like being jailed for preaching the gospel, stoned like in prison. And how do you, how do you get thankful now when you're chained up next to the guy who wouldn't stop preaching? Thanks a lot, dude, you know. Uh, <laughs> And if you would have just shut your mouth, I wouldn't have this sore in my armpit right now. You know, like, and I, I just think, like, how, how do you generate thanksgiving? How do you stir the pot inside of you to be thankful? And I, man, I do believe, so I, I, Corey Chamboom said this. I thought it was extremely awesome. I wanted to share it with you. It is not joy that makes us grateful. It is gratitude that gives us joy. So if you want to cultivate joy in your life, Learn how to start counting your blessings. Some of you have problems sleeping at night. Raise your hand. Okay. If you're not reading your Bible at night, that's the easiest way to go to sleep. I'll tell you right now. Start in Leviticus and just start turning the pages, man. It's wonderful. Like, little Lord, I just get... But I'll tell you what. There's another trick. Don't count sheep. Count your blessings. Lay in bed and just start saying, God, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for my big toe. I'm thankful for, I kid you not, I, I always start with my big toe. Imagine if you didn't have your big toe. It's always the things that we forget that we need it, that when it's bad, we realize how thankful we should have been the whole time. It is extremely difficult to feel poor when you're thankful. I love that. You count your blessings. You count your people in your life that you love. And you just thank God for them. And you thank God for being brave or different giftings that you know the Lord has put on you. Uh, you thank God for the people in your life that make up for the things that you're terrible for. Thank God for some of the materialism items that you prayed for that you forgot, that you even like anymore because you put it away in a closet. Thank God. For the country that we live in that's not as jacked up as you think it is compared to the countries that are really jacked up that we should pray for. Well, Philippians is going to say it this way, and I think it's or Colossians, I'm sorry, says it this way. At the end of the day, uh, I am thankful for, I'm sorry, Corey Ten Boom said this also. At the end of the day, I am thankful that my blessings outweigh my problems. That's a cool statement there, huh? And that's hard to imagine when you're overwhelmed with the things that are wrong in your life. At the end of, uh, okay, so make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ, rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel others with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to him, to God the Father. 
And I just love that this, you know, it reminds us to sing. It reminds me to worship. It reminds, it, when I worship, I remember how small I am and how big he is and how undeserving I am and how glorious he is. It's nice to give thanks. The scripture is going to say it again and again here in Colossians. Let me read you one more verse here. This is um, Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all, for the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation with prayer and petition and with thanksgiving. It's almost like he's repeating the same thing. He's saying, have joy, pray in everything, and give thanks. This is God's will for your life. Make your requests be known to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understandings, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Kind of a simple message today. What is the will of God for your life? Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. What I want you to know is that you can choose whatever emotions you want. And it's really easy when you are choosing the wrong stronghold to disconnect your conversation with the Lord, put on emotions and thoughts and frustrations that you're not having, that the Lord is not putting on you, and take off joy and take off gratitude and take off thanksgiving. But I I do believe that those that are happy, they just live longer. Uh, And even if you were to die earlier, at least you'd be happier. Like, like you'd be like, you know what I mean? Like, happiness is not what God's calling you to. But when you possess joy, there's going to be a happiness there. But people aim for the momentary happiness. And um, we're not selling that today. What we want is a transformed life. You're going to have to choose Christ. Choose your interaction with the Lord. This is a difficult discipline. You have to say no to the patterns and the thoughts. You have to say no to worry. You have to say no to anxious. You have to say no to fear. You have to say no to guilt and no to shame. And you have to put on joy. Today, I just want to ask for forgiveness of the Lord for other things that we've picked up that he didn't ask us to carry. Would you mind closing your eyes and bowing your heads? I think we all want to pray always with the Lord and interact with him. Or at least I believe that's why you're here. You're seeking the Lord. But in seeking the Lord, he's trying to transform us. When we were in prayer earlier today, uh, Rachel was singing that song about miracles. And, and I believe that miracles can happen. And I, I, I heard a voice. Um, I believe it was the enemy. And he said that people don't change. And I believe that is the opposite of everything that Christ wants to do in our lives. He is trying to transform us. And he's going to transform your mind and your thoughts. And he's going to bring about a new identity and a new culture. And you've got to take off some of those old mentalities, mindsets, and strongholds and put on the helmet of salvation. 
put on the joy of the Lord.